Holy and righteous Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name. Thank you, Lord, for having been with us thus far and bringing us to a time of the close of the year. We are grateful, Lord, that you have kept us alive. We are grateful, Father, that you have sustained us and all the lessons you have been teaching us. We are grateful, Lord. Dear Lord, as we fellowship with you now, we pray, Father, that you would equip us even more with your word. We ask, Father, for the Holy Spirit to be upon all of us, helping us to rightly divide the word of truth, filling us with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Lord, consecrate me to your service. Help me that through your spirit I shall speak as the oracles of God, blessing all your children who are listening, to the end that our character shall be fashioned into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, December 31 God's Plan for Me For the Lord of hosts hath proposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Isaiah chapter 14 verse 27 Each actor in history stands in his lot and place for god's great work after his own plan will be carried out by men who have prepared themselves to fill positions for good or evil in opposition to righteousness men become instruments of unrighteousness but they are not forced to take this course of action they need not become instruments of unrighteousness any more than Cain needed to. Men of all characters, righteous and unrighteous, will stand in their several positions in God's plan. With the characters they have formed, they will act their part in the fulfillment of history. In a crisis, just at the right moment, they will stand in the places they have prepared themselves to fill. Believers and unbelievers will fall into line as witnesses to confirm truth that they themselves do not comprehend. All will cooperate in accomplishing the purposes of God, just as did Annas, Caiaphas, Pilate, and Herod. In putting Christ to death, the priests thought they were carrying out their own purposes, but unconsciously and unintentionally they were fulfilling the purpose of God. God looks into the tiny seed that he himself has formed and sees wrapped within it the beautiful flower, the shrub or the lofty wide spreading tree. So does he see the possibilities in every human being. We are here for a purpose. God has given us his plan for our life and he desires us to reach the highest standard of development. 
He desires the youth to cultivate every power of their being and to bring every faculty into active exercise. Let them look to Christ as the pattern after which they are to be fashioned. The holy ambition that he revealed in his life, they are to cherish. An ambition to make the world better for their having lived in it. This is the work to which they are called. You want now to so relate yourself to society and to life that you may answer the purpose of God in your creation. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is God's Plan for Me. As we have been going through this devotion, Conflict and Courage, we have finally come to the end of it. We have seen various characters because that's what this devotion is about. It's about studying characters in the Bible and learning lessons from them. As well, we have seen these characters and the, the characters have fulfilled various parts of the plan of God. We remember people like Moses, who was a man for his time, used as an instrument to lay the foundation for the way for salvation. And there was Judas, who was also an actor playing a negative role. We just read now about Herod, Annas, Caiaphas, and Pilate, acting out their own part. There will still be today many others who will fulfill a role which they mark out for themselves. What is God's plan? Was it God's plan for Judas, Caiaphas, Annas, Herod, and Pilate to do what they did? Was it God's plan for Haman to plan to destroy all the Jews? Was it that he was the one that caused it? We must understand God's plan for us, for every human being. In the book of Romans chapter 8, reading verse 29, we are told, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them also he justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Amen. We start from the perspective of whom God foreknows. Who is it that God foreknows? Is there anybody that God doesn't know beforehand? He knows all of us. And what is his plan? He predestinated you and me. Pilate, Judas, Herod, Caiaphas, Cain, Annas, all the popes that ever did every evil thing they did, the Lord predestinated that they should be conformed into the image of his son. That is Romans 8 verse 29. But predestination does not mean that it must be fulfilled. We either choose to accept what God has proposed or destined for us, or reject it. We may wonder, was it not necessary that there must be a Judas or a Pilate or a Herod and Caiaphas and Annas? Is it not necessary since the word of God has prophesied it that someone must be used to persecute the Christians as was done to John, James, Jude, the brother of Jesus, Paul, the apostle, Luther and all the reformers of the past? It was already prophesied. Therefore, we may say, it must be done like so. Who can stop what God has already said will happen? But that is not exactly the case. We each are deciding by our own choices what our character will be, and we are also choosing the part that we will play. 
people have wondered. The Bible prophesied that someone must do this or do that, and therefore it was inevitable. All the negative prophecies of the scripture are written and will certainly be fulfilled, not because God forces men to do so, but because by our own choices we prepare ourselves to act out the part that we are acting and that we are playing in the great drama of life. Our choice is ours. Like we read in Conflict and Courage, page 371, paragraph 2, each actor in history stands in his lot and place for God's great work after his own plan will be carried out by men who have prepared themselves to fill positions for good or for evil. So how do we feel, prepare ourselves to fill these positions for good and for evil? We are told in opposition to righteousness. What does it mean to oppose righteousness? How can you oppose righteousness? Righteousness means right doing the principles of right and there's no place you can find the principles of right than in the Ten Commandments and the statutes and the Lord's God has given to us. If you find yourself opposed to it, like it says, you become instruments of unrighteousness. But they are not forced to take this course. They need not become instruments of unrighteousness any more than Cain needed to. So what does this mean? It is our own choice. We are preparing ourselves by our choices to be instruments of righteousness or unrighteousness. Going on, it says that men of all characters, righteous and unrighteous, will stand in their several positions in God's plan. With the characters they have formed, they will act their part in the fulfillment of history. In a crisis, just at the right moment, they will stand in the places they have prepared themselves to feel. End of quote. So what does this mean? Whether right or wrong, evil or good, there is a work that we are doing. Are you going to be the one who in the future will betray your brother and sister as prophesied by Jesus? Are you going to be the one who it is told of that when the time of trouble comes because you did not have faith, you will fall? Well, whatever the future is, is determined by the choices that we are making today. The part we are going to act in the future in this great drama of life, we are preparing ourselves right now for that part by the decisions that we are making on a daily basis. Because these decisions we are making is forming our character. And that character we have formed will reveal itself in the future. And that character will have a place in God's plan and it will feel its own position and act its own part in the drama of life. And that's why we are told all will cooperate in accomplishing the purposes of God just as did Anna, Skyvers, Pilate and Herod. So how do we form characters for good? From Child Guidance, page 198 or you can find it in Mind, Character and Personality, volume 1, page 148, paragraph 2, it says, at a very early age, children become susceptible to demoralizing influences. But parents who profess to be Christians do not seem to discern the evil of their own course of management. Oh, that they might realize that the bias which is given to a child in its earliest years gives a tendency to character and shapes the destiny either for eternal life or eternal death. Children are susceptible to moral and spiritual impressions. 
and those who are wisely trained in childhood may be erring at times, but they will not go far astray. End of quote. This is just buttressing the point that the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That does not mean that the child will not make mistakes like we just read. They may be erring at times, but they will not go far astray. The molding of the character of the child is already determining the destiny of that child. At a very early age, like we are told, they are already susceptible. Don't think that they are not hearing that worldly music. Don't think that those words coming out from the lips of you, parents, is not influencing them. We are more inclined to evil. And that is why we must try in training up children, and even now that we are adults, in helping ourselves to bring righteous and godly influences around us so that it can shape our characters and give it a leaning or a tendency in the right direction. You cannot exactly determine the character of a child, but you can give it a tendency. You can make the inclination to bend towards a particular position. Based on what you give, you feed that child, both with respect to food and what that child is hearing and what the child is watching and what the child is reading and what the child is doing. All these things are giving an inclination or a tendency to the child. And if it is leaned in the right direction, yes, there may be mistakes, but the character will be formed in that right direction. The inclination of the child will be right, and eventually, the child will act a part in the drama of life that will be positive. But if the reverse is the case, then you will see the negative part acted by that child. Reading again from Youth Instructor, December 14, 1893, paragraph 3, we are told, Unbelief. Now, we want to see how bad characters are formed, and then later how good characters are formed, and how we act the good part in the drama of life and the bad part. So, starting with the bad one, it says, Unbelief in regard to God and dishonesty in dealing with God leads to dishonesty in dealing with men. Separation from God means the corruption of morals, while fear and love of God produce faithfulness and integrity. Thus it is that each one of us is sealing his destiny. That which we sow, we shall reap. This is our sowing time, and as beings accountable to God, we should take heed as to the kind of seed we are sowing. Let us bear in mind that the reaping time will surely come. End of quote. Again, in the Faith I Live by, page 184, paragraph 6, we are told, The destiny of the wicked is fixed by their own choice. Their exclusion from heaven is voluntary with themselves and just and merciful on the part of God. End of quote. So, how is it that people have a leaning towards the wrong direction? The previous quote we read in Youth Instructor said, unbelief in regard to God and dishonesty in dealing with God. It will manifest itself in dishonesty with men and it will reap unfaithfulness and immorality and the corruption of morals. We are sowing. Every act we perform is a seed that we are sowing in our life. If we resist the evil, we are sowing the seed of resistance. If we yield to evil, we are sowing the seed of yielding to evil. And it will bring forth its own fruit. Every seed sown will bring forth fruit. Every time we are opposed to righteousness, opposition to righteousness will yield the fruit of further opposition to righteousness. But every time we yield to righteousness and the laws of God, 
it will bring forth its own seed. But remember that our inclination from the time we are born is already negative. That is why you see negativity is just like weed. You don't need to plant it to grow. It's already in us. The seeds of evil are already in us. And it doesn't need training. It just grows. But righteousness needs to be tendered. It needs to be taken care of. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be watered for it to grow. The seed must be taken care of. The ground must be cultivated. The weeds must be uprooted in order for righteousness to grow. We fix our destiny by our own choice. We fix it by our own choice. It is not God who made Judas what he was. It is not Jesus who made Caiaphas and Annas to be what they were. It is not him who made Satan to do what he did. Satan made his own choice. God is not responsible. And God cannot allow the, the wicked to be in the kingdom of God because they will still repeat what they have been repeating when they were here on earth. They will be wicked again. They fix their destiny by their own choice. Reading from from darkness to dawn, the book from darkness to dawn, page 16, paragraph 5, we are told, could those whose lives have been have been spent in rebellion against God be suddenly transported to heaven and witness the high, the holy state of perfection that ever exists there? Every soul filled with love, every countenance beaming with joy, and rapturing music in melodious strains, rising in honor of God and the Lamb, and ceaseless streams of light flowing upon the redeemed from the face of him who seated upon the throne could those whose hearts are filled with hatred of god of truth and holiness mingled with the heavenly throng and join their songs of praise could they endure the glory of god and the lamb no no years of probation were granted them that they might form characters for heaven but they have never trained their mind to love purity that's it training train the mind to love purity they have never learned the language of heaven and now it is too late a life of rebellion against god has unfitted them for heaven its purity holiness and peace will be torture to them the glory of god will be a consuming fire they will long to flee from that place they would welcome destruction that they might be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem them the destiny of the wicked is fixed by their own choice. Their exclusion from heaven is voluntary with themselves and just and merciful on the part of God. End of quote. So that's it with the wicked. So how about the righteous? How do we seal our own destiny? How does the righteous seal their destiny? The wicked seals their destiny by their choice and so also with the righteous. There's no difference. It's by the seed we are sowing, by the choices that we make every day. We are sealing our destiny. Reading from Christian Experience and Teachings, page 188, paragraph 2, it says, Courage, fortitude, faith, and implicit trust in God's power to save do not come in a moment. These heavenly graces are acquired by the experience of years. By a life of holy endeavor, see, this is how to seal the destiny now. By a life of holy endeavor and firm adherence to the right, the children of God were sealing their destiny. See how it's done now, practically. Beset with temptations without number, they knew they must resist firmly or be conquered. They felt that they had a great work to do and at any hour, they might be called to lay off their armor, and should they come to the close of life with their work undone, it would be an eternal loss. 
They eagerly accepted the light from heaven as did the first disciples from the lips of Jesus. When those early Christians were exiled to mountains and deserts, when left in dungeons to die with hunger, cold and torture, when martyrdom seemed the only way out of their distress, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ, who was crucified for them. Their worthy example will be a comfort and encouragement to the people of God who will be brought into the time of trouble such as never was. End of quote. So, how do we seal our destiny? By a life of holy endeavor and firm adherence to right. Every choice we make is sealing our destiny. What choices have you been making? Those choices will form your character and those choices eventually will determine the path that you are going to act in the great drama of life. Even in the world today when they are acting their movies, it is based on what you are fitted for that the role is given to you. There is a role for everyone to act and based on the training you have been receiving, you are fitting yourself for a role. If you want to be fitted to be a man of God, you must train yourself right now by studying the word of God, by putting into practice all that you are learning. And then you are fitting yourself for the role. There are many roles to act. There is a drama of life. There is a ro- numerous roles to act. But you can only act the role that you are fitted for. And your, your, the role you are fitted for is determined by the training you have been receiving and the character that you have formed. You will not act... A, let me use physical attributes for example. If a part is to be acted by someone who is slender and tall, then, if you know that such a role exists, you must train yourself to be slender and tall. Maybe height may not be in our hands, but at least the body size may be in our hands. And if someone is short, even whether by his own doing or not, he is not fitted for that role. If the person is obese, they are not fitted for that role. It is only the one who is slender and tall that will be fitted for the role. So if we take it to the level of character, for example, If a character is needed for a certain role, let us say the good roles that will be played in the future, courage is needed to stand for the right, firmness, integrity, those things are needed, indomitableness is needed, the graces of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, humility. If you don't have those characters, can you fit the role? You cannot. But if you have been sowing the seed of hatred towards the righteous laws of God, if you have been vacillating, if you have been more inclined to fall into sin every time temptation comes, you cannot resist and you fall, then you are fitting yourself for a role that will be played by those who fall in the future. If you have been sowing seeds of unrighteousness, your character is being formed and you will act the part of the unrighteous. If you have been sowing seeds of righteousness, you will act the part of the righteous. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego When they came to Babylon, they were fitted for the role they played. It couldn't have been played by someone who was not trained for that position. Reading from Youth Instructor, August 20, 1903, we are told, when the four Hebrew youth were receiving an education for the king's court in Babylon, they did not feel that the blessing of the Lord was a substitute for the taxing effort required of them. They were diligent in study, for they discerned that through the grace of God, their destiny depended upon their own will and action. They were to bring all their ability to the work, and by close, severe taxation of their powers, they were to make the most of their opportunities for study and labor. 
while these youths were working out their own salvation, God was working in them to will and to do of his good pleasure. Here are revealed the conditions of success. To make God's grace our own, we must act our part. The Lord does not pur- propose to perform for us either the willing or the doing. His grace is given to work in us, to will and to do, but never as a substitute for our efforts. Our souls are to be aroused to cooperate. The Holy Spirit works in us that we may work out our own salvation. This is the practical lesson the Holy Spirit is striving to teach us. End of quote. Now, as we review all the characters we have studied from Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, Noah, and all the children of Cain and the role that they played, and then after the flood, and we see Ham and his own children, Nimrod and Co., and then down to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the children of Jacob, and Esau, also the role that he played, down to the role that all the Israelites played, and the children of Jacob, down with Joseph and what they did in that time. All these people going down the line of history of the world to the days when Israel was delivered from Egypt and Moses was used to do that, Aaron, Miriam with them, down to when they apostatized after the death of Joshua and God raised for them many judges down to the kings like David and King Saul. Remember him? Remember King Saul. That story of King Saul is worth listening to. There are many lessons to learn from his life down to the days they went to captivity and all the works of the kings before then, down to the days of Nehemiah and Ezra, Haggai, and then till the days Jesus came and all the apostles of Jesus and the people who acted a part in crucifying Jesus on the cross and the early Christians and what they did down to the days when John of the Beloved was put into the cauldron of boiling oil and what the Christians suffered after the days of John under Domitian the Emperor and even before that under Nero and down till today what the Christians suffered as martyrs during those days and the reformers that were raised to do a great work and down to our own day we see various characters for good and for evil we realize that God's plan for all of us is to reflect the image of Jesus, but it may not come out to be so, because we face, we shape our destiny by the choices that we make. We are told in Conflict and Courage, page 371, paragraph 5, He desires the youth to cultivate every power of their being and to bring every faculty into active exercise. Let them look to Christ as the pattern after which they are to be fashioned. The holy ambition that He revealed in His life They are to cherish an ambition to make the world better for their having lived in it. This is the work to which they are called, end of quote. This is the work that we are called to do, that the world should be made better for our having lived in it. Let the world not be made worse because you are alive. Let the world not be put to the worst because you lived in it, but let it be made better. God's plan for us is that we should reflect the image of Jesus and having done that, he has other plans for us. Jesus promised in the book of John 14 verse 1 to 3 that he has prepared mansions for us. 
John chapter 6 verse 39 and 40, he promised to give us everlasting life. Isaiah 66 verse 22 and 23, the Lord promises that he will make the new heavens and the new earth. And when we read Revelation 21 verse 1 to 7 there and downward, we hear about the new heaven and the new earth. And then there is a holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God, glorious and marvelous in our sight would that city be. We are told in Isaiah 65 verse 21, and they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit, they shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands, they shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call I will answer, and while they are yet speaking I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Amen. The book of Revelation 3 verse 21 and 22 gives us something I consider to be the highest privilege ever given to man. It says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father on his throne. What a high privilege the Lord has reserved for those who will overcome, to sit on his throne, the same throne that he is sitting on. Wonderful promise. And we will be like angels. Matthew 22 verse 30, Jesus said, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Reading from Maranatha page 368 paragraph 2 and 3, we are told, Many seem to have the idea that this world and the heavenly mansions constitute the universe of God. Not so. God has walls upon walls that are obedient to his law. These worlds are conducted with reference to the glory of the Creator. As the inhabitants of these worlds see the great price that has been paid to ransom man, they are filled with amazement. Amen. And there in the heavenly mansions and the earth made new, we will be living for eternity with the ability of angels flying from world to world. We will have things of pleasure fascinating us everywhere we turn we will see marvelous things in our sight that we cannot even picture right now galaxies upon galaxies exist as we know it presently but we will be able to go from one galaxy to another from one world to another is already enough to keep us fascinated for eternity but then there is even more than that worlds we have galaxies to explore the lord has great plans for us what is god's plan for you his plan is that you will live with him forever and ever that is his plan we are going to study the theme of redemption continually Maranatha, page 363, paragraph 2, downward tells us, Between the school established in Eden at the beginning and the school of the hereafter, there lies the whole compass of this world's history, the history of human transgression and suffering, of divine sacrifice and of victory over death and sin. Not all the conditions of that first school of Eden will be found in the school of the future life. No tree of knowledge of good and evil will afford opportunity for temptation. No tempter is there. No possibility of wrong. Every character has withstood the testing of evil, and none are longer susceptible to its power. 
restored to his presence, man will again, as at the beginning, be taught of God. Our life work here is preparation for the life eternal. The education begun here will be completed in this will not be completed in this life. It will be going forward through all eternity, ever progressing, never completed. Every right principle, every truth learned in an earthly school will advance us just that much in the heavenly school. As Christ walked and talked with his disciples during his ministry on this earth, so will he teach us in the school above, leading us beside the river of living waters and revealing to us truths that in this life must remain hidden mysteries because of the limitations of the human mind so marred by sin. End of quote. This is God's plan for us. He will give us beautiful things that we cannot understand right now. Maranatha, page 365, paragraph 3 says, The theme of redemption is one that the angels desire to look into. It will be the science and the song of the redeemed throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. The study of the incarnation of Christ, his atoning sacrifice and mediatorial work, will employ the mind of the diligent student as long as time shall last and looking to heaven with its unnumbered years he will exclaim great is the mystery of godliness end of quote but my brothers and sisters there is no way you will exclaim great is the mystery of godliness studying just the theme of of redemption and the mediatorial work of christ in heaven and for eternity if it is not interesting for you to study it now if we are not shaping our characters today, if we are not making choices today to be among those who will study the redemption, how then can you fit this character? There is a role to play. There is a role that has been kept in store for some people who will live eternally. But that role is reserved for only those who can actually fit the character. And what is the character we just read? They are going to be studying the redemption. They are going to be studying Christ's mediatorial work. If you don't find it interesting today, then you are not fitted for the role. You can't act it out. That is just the fact. We are sowing seeds today. If what fascinates you is the movies and the games and the sports and entertainment of all kinds, you are not fitted to be in heaven. You have disqualified yourself by your own choice. It is not God's plan that you should be excluded from heaven or that anyone at all should be excluded. But we exclude ourselves by unfitting ourselves with the choices we make on a daily basis. It is thus that Saul excluded himself. He excluded himself by the choices he was making on a daily basis and he played a role that was fitted for him. And what was that role? To be a tormentor of David. That was a role. He was fitted for it because of the choices he was making in his life. How about David? He, fit, he fitted himself for the role of being the king of Israel. Why? Because prior to the time when that role was, up, uh, there was an opportunity to fulfill that role, he already fitted himself by being one who trusted in God. What role are you fitting yourself for? We need to examine our lives. All we have studied all through the year, all the characters displayed by various people teaches us the lesson that by our choice, we seal our own destiny. My brothers and sisters, what destiny are you sealing for yourself? What choices are you making? What choices have you been making? 
I'm not giving us a message of no hope as you look back at your life. But let us today start to seal our destiny in the right direction by making the right choices, by sowing seeds of righteousness. The Bible says, sow to yourself in righteousness, reap mercy, break up the fallow ground. That is what we should be doing, sowing righteousness and we will reap righteousness. But if we sow evil, we will reap evil. If we sow unrighteousness, we will reap unrighteousness. We are fitting ourselves. Let us begin again today. The Lord is going to give us a new page in our lives. But what will be written on the pages of our own history is going to be determined by us. The character we have today will determine the part we will play and the, the part we will act in that drama of life. Forget about yesterday. Forget about your previous life since the day you were born. Let us talk about today from henceforth. Let us now begin to sow seeds of righteousness so that we can fit ourselves to be among those who will be eventually in the kingdom of God. Like we read before, the unrighteous cannot dwell there. Why? They have fitted themselves not to be there. They cannot enjoy the presence of the Lord. Can you enjoy discussing redemption forever and ever and ever? If you don't enjoy it now, you have unfitted yourself, you will not enjoy it then. Can you enjoy a place where there are no video games, where there is no worldly music, where there is no sports and football and soccer? Some people cannot stay without soccer. They can't wait for the next one, for the next season to begin, for the next league. They are fascinated by these things. It won't be in heaven. Can you stay without eating flesh? Can you stay without killing animals to eat? chickens and chasing them can you stay without it are you fitting yourself for heaven or are you going to ask lord i want to kill a chicken i want to shed the blood in heaven or in the new earth what are you fitting yourself for you are determining it now that's what you are doing you are determining it now we need to live the life of heaven now that is how we fit ourselves to be in the kingdom of god i could say more but i think the point is made as we enter into a new year, let us resolve to begin to make decisions that will seal our destiny in the right direction. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, glory, praise, honor and adoration be unto your name for having led us thus far and bringing us to the end of another year and blessing us with your word all through this year. We worship you and say thank you, Lord for the admonition, for the correction, for the words of rebuke, for the words of comfort, encouragement that you have given to us thus far. My prayer, Lord, is that these words shall not stand against us in the judgment, but that it will be the reason, part of the reason that we will be in your kingdom at last. As we have learned now concerning sealing our own destiny, we pray, dear Lord, please help us that we will begin to make choices that will fit us to act the right part, that we may be fitted to be in your kingdom at last. Some of us love the things of this world and we do not find joy in discussing the themes of redemption, in studying the word of God. We are unfitting ourselves for your kingdom already by doing this. We love the things of this world and its entertainment and its pleasures which we will not find in your kingdom and will make it unbearable for us to be there. Lord, forgive us our sins. 
We trust you that you can do it for us. There is nothing impossible with you. Whatever struggles we have, we believe you can transform us. You did it for many in the past. Jacob is an example. King Manasseh, you transformed his life. David, you transformed him. And you also transformed the apostles John, James, Peter. With all the bad characters they had, you transformed them. Nebuchadnezzar was a proud man, a hidden for, uh, uh, at that, and you transformed him. We believe that you can do it for us. Dear Lord, as many of us are looking up to you and we see no power in ourselves to do good, we are trusting in you and looking unto, up to you. Help us, Lord, that we will act our own part. Put first things first. Do our own part. May your grace be given to us to help us to will and to do of your good pleasure that we may sow seeds of righteousness and seal our destiny in the right direction. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.